Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. This week's episode is modified from a live video that I made with fellow family dog mediators, Justine Shermans from The Family Dog, Jennifer Shryock from Family Paws, and Debbie Luckin from CAD, Kids Around Dogs. In this fun-filled discussion, we talk about different strategies that families can use to make Halloween less spooky for your family dog. We had a great time with lots of laughs, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Have fun. Well, just to give everybody a little bit of background, we are all licensed family dog mediators, um, and we all specialize in working with families, with children, and with dogs, uh, which is really exciting because it's a real specialty, but we wanted to let you know that there's actual help out there for you, not just dog training help, but family-centered help as well. So I'm going to look on my screen. I can see we have Michelle from Pooch Parenting, Jen from Family Paws. Debbie from Kids Around Dogs in the UK, and me, I'm from the Family Dog. So um, as the name might suggest, Family Dog Mediator, what is that? While we're all certified Family Dog Trainers, we actually look at our relationship with our dogs and with Family Dogs slightly differently. It's not a top-down model of us telling them what we would like them to do, but more how everybody can connect and get along together. So in today's conversation, obviously about Halloween, this is a perfect time to be able to discuss how, well, first of all, how kids might feel very differently about Halloween um, and how we can use that kind of information and that lens to talk about what our dogs might feel about it because they have some big feels about this really spooky holiday. So we're going to, over the next um, 30 minutes or so, we're going to try to help you de-spook Halloween for your dog, all right, and try and see it through their eyes. So who wants to kick off, lovely ladies? Who wants to um, go first? Maybe we can start talking a little bit about what the experience is like for children, first of all, and then to give us a lens for the dogs. Well, I'm curious about Debbie, because Debbie's in the UK, and Halloween is a little bit less of a thing there. Although Debbie, I think, is the one spirited house in her neighborhood. Oh, yeah, we are. Can we talk a little bit about it in your house versus the other houses that are near you? So the road I live on is quite a long road, but we are the only house every year. We are the only house that decorate, and uh, we do go around trick-or-treating, and it's always a very sad thing, like literally need to get in the car and find the road that they would have a couple of pumpkins out. Oh. And if the pumpkins are lit, then you can go in and, and knock at the door. So it's a little bit of a pathetic experience. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so that's why I was a bit, oh, shall I, shall I not, uh, you know, come on tonight? But I think that it's still, you know, still a good input. And uh, maybe um, also interesting to know that in the UK, indeed, it's not, quite as celebrated yet but who knows maybe in the future it will it will grow more and more but I think I think you have a lot more fireworks to contend with than we do in our country so I do think that you're a really good person to talk about 
some of the risks that happen with dogs during a holiday when things can frighten a dog. So whether it's, you know, the scary sounds of like crazy Halloween, you know, people saying boo or wearing weird costumes or, you know, scary music or fireworks, like what you guys deal with a lot. Um, What would you say is one strategy to help a dog when they feel like they might bolt? How do we keep that dog safe in a home? Well, we always say like this time of the year, uh, maybe Justin remember when she lived in the UK, we uh, celebrate the 5th of November. And so fireworks is like on the whole time from, from now, basically. It's almost like every evening. So always make sure that like the gate is, uh, is locked, the door is locked, you know, that kind of thing. So, so in case you are out in the garden with the dog, it can't just, uh, you know, um, escape from the garden. And that's the other thing. Try to go out with your dog in the garden or for a walk before it gets dark because the second the sky turns a little bit dark, that's when they start. It's like yeah. they're waiting for it. And it's actually unbelievable. Um, and when I go and do some school talks, I always get speak to the kids and say, oh, maybe tell your parents not to have fireworks in the garden. Get in through the back door. That's yeah. a good way to do it, right? Exactly. And it's the same thing with Halloween, actually. That's a really good point about taking dogs out before it gets dark and before things get scary so that they've had a chance to have a run around and a play and then they can come back inside and know that they're they're safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And you don't have potty accidents in the house because they've been holding it for so many hours, you know. And they might ask, but when I get out, but not now, it's too late now. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. Absolutely. And microchipping your dog um, is really important to make sure. I'm sure that you have the same setup as well in the UK as well. So if anything does happen and you do lose your dog, that you know that there's a way that you'll be able to get them back to you as soon as possible. I also like a a double barrier. I'm sure you guys think exactly the same thing. So it's not just the front door in case. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know kids leave the front door and the back door Mm -hmm. open in and out, in and out. And especially if you've got trick or treaters, having a gate um, yeah. to put your dog behind so that if the door's left open um that they're not going to run out and you're not going to lose them because it's a scary time to be lost it is i was going to mention cats too but the other thing i wanted to mention and i'm super excited about this i'm seeing a bigger trend so let's hope it that we can expand on this um a lot of people really setting up their halloween at the end of their driveway so that no one's even having to come down the door to the door. Now I know our neighborhood's been doing this for years that we all have fire pits and we all have tables. They have pizza out and all sorts of adult <laughs> beverages. It's a part I'll, I'll video. It's, it's great. It's a big wow. party, but it prevents, we started doing it for the simple sake that it would prevent people from coming to our door and getting the dogs all wound up. So the dogs are inside with a nice treat or in their own space. They don't even know what's going on. Right. So that's just phenomenal. And I now I hear other people doing it. I thought it was a unique thing to my neighborhood, but it's happening in other places. And I think that's brilliant. I really love it. So were you the ringleader of that then, Jen? You started it and got your neighbors on board. So you just have to be like the party central. I did. I we started just having our fire pit at the top of the driveway and we had some beverages for other people and everything. And now our whole neighborhood does it. And now the new neighbors, everybody knows to do it. How wonderful. Awesome. Well, what what I was thinking about is that even if your dog isn't particularly prone to escaping, your dog might be 
susceptible to chronic stress of like doorbell, 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 doorbell. And if you just eliminate that entire thing, then I could see how this night is zero different from any other night because maybe they hear people talking outside, but it's really not a particularly stressful experience with people constantly coming to the door and the door open, close, open, close. And you could put some nice music on, make it very zen, give them something delicious to chew on that they can't resist a big fat marabone or a stuffed food toy that they can get into. And they don't know you're not out to dinner. We don't have a really long driveway, but it does work really well. And for neighborhoods that it works well, it can save all that because how many times do we hear people complaining about doorbell reactivity and poor dogs, they get super scared and and the chances of running out and, you know, and the kids who want to just come up to the dogs and everything else, it just prevents a lot of the stress of that evening. Yeah. You know, I would say that one strategy that I've seen be pretty effective in homes where you can't sort of do it as a block party style is what they can do is they'll sometimes have an X pen set up on the inside of the door. So it's almost like a little, like an airlock sort of. And I've seen actually like one parent, sometimes it's like a dad or a grandpa or whatever, who's sitting in a chair inside the X pen so that, so they open the door and they're like right there, ready to go with their big pot of candy or whatever. And, and the dog can't get to the actual door because the, whoever is greeting the guests is like right contained with like and that's what you were talking about before we started those double double, double barriers and yeah. stuff like oh no if you escape through that door haha you're you foiled and i've that's i've got one. you somewhere else right where i can catch yeah. you from running out that's perfect i thought that's that was a, good a pretty one. good strategy but i prefer what jen's doing because if i can just eliminate the whole stress totally. of coming to my house in my door anyway then maybe that's better and maybe you don't have a dog who's really stressed. Maybe you don't have a dog who's stressed or a dog who would likely run out of your front door, but a dog who just wants to be in every single interaction and they want to come and jump up on the kids and now you've got to manage it. And even if they love kids and they want to be a part of it, just the costumes that the kids are wearing sometimes yeah. can be a little spooky or have dangly things. <laughs> and dogs love all that stuff or don't love it. And we don't know until we get into that. No situation and then it's too late yeah. you don't want the costume to turn into a chew toy or scare yeah. a child I mean Debbie is really good at helping kids overcome fear of dogs but in the meantime let's try to prevent them from you becoming horrible them, in yeah. the first place yeah. right? right this is not a toy even though it's dressed like one That's it looks right. like yeah. a big stuffy but it's there's a kid in there you know yeah. and yeah I could see how some puppies in particular would just be like yeah, and we can also get the kids involved in preparing something yummy for the dog. Like, I, I don't know if you're allowed to say any names, but like the Kong, for example, the sure. kids can help preparing them and uh, get them involved within that as well. And you yeah, can, you can even use themed, you know, make it the Halloween or autumn flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can spice not latte, but pumpkin. In fact, we have a, we have a store here, um, a grocery store here that's called Trader Joe's and they have canned pumpkin only right now. It's like the only time of the year and it's organic and it's cheap. It's cheaper than almost anywhere. And so I'm kind of, I look a little like a hoarder this time of the year because (laughs) I'll just buy a bunch of cans and stick them in a cabinet 
because you can't get them other times of the year, but it's really great. It's a nice spreader on a licky mat or as a topper and a Kong yeah. and stuff. And you were mentioning having the kids get involved. I was even thinking a fun sensory activity for some of our younger kids who love to get messy and, and, you know, are working through some of those fine and gross motor skills. They can use their hands and smear it over dog treats and pop those in the freezer. They could put little, I don't know, what could they use for ghosts? They could make it thematic. I don't know. What would we do? Ghosts or goblins or something spooky. Something green. Maybe it could be like chopped up little pieces of Brussels sprout. Um, some cooked Brussels sprout. Yeah, why not? Green, green, scary. <laughs> it's a scared of eating them. I don't know if dogs would be quite so scared of eating them. But using, you know, paint brushes to paint things with some of that pumpkin spread and paint that licky mat, that can be a nice activity. Freeze it, and that'll be great for prior. Yeah, pumpkin's the best, isn't it? It's not only it delicious to dogs, great for their uh, digestive system. And, yeah. and if you hit up Michelle's tip, you get it super cheap at Trader Joe's at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be there tonight. I know. I'll Seriously, buy a bunch. Buy a <laughs> bunch. My dog's actually chewing on a uh, on a Kong right now that has pumpkin and turkey slices. So he's got a, oh. like, a combo of Halloween and Thanksgiving all kind of like smoking. Oh, yeah. oh, that sounds delicious. Mine's got pumpkin, banana, and blue, a little bit of blueberry and peanut butter. Oh, blueberry. Oh. Blueberries could be really good spiders. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could. That's right. And blueberries are so good for dogs. Oh, so good. Good. My dog yeah. bit them out. Yeah, if oh, you chop yeah. them, if you chop them though and squish the guts out, then they'd like them a little bit more. It's like the skin, I think, is too. Gross. Yeah, I think it's icky. But you know, <laughs> appropriate into Halloween, just squeeze the guts out. Squeeze the guts out. <laughs> Another sensory activity. The exactly. other thing that I run into a lot, and I wonder about you all, is children that are dressing up in costume and then they have their dog who is a part of the costume. I know, I know. And they're so excited about this. I see it every single year and we can guess some of those costumes. Dorothy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Happens every year. Every year. The and Harry Potter double-headed dog as well. I've yes. seen that one quite a few gotcha. times. Yes. Either. Yeah, it makes my heart sink a little bit. You know, that's so much stress for the dog, right? Can we talk about that a little bit? What are your, what are your, th I see your thoughts, but let's talk about, about why we feel so uh, about it. Well, uh, I, I think consent is a problem, right? Where we, we don't always ask our dog if getting dressed in human clothing is something they want to participate yeah. in, right? So some dogs put up with it. Yeah. But I think that's pretty low of a bar. I think we can expect more or wish more, right? That our dogs actually have fun. I think, you know, even like I've seen people really go crazy with super awesome bandanas. A lot of dogs find those less intrusive, you know, and they can be so cute and adorable. And there's a million Etsy stores even that sell fun stuff. But I think, you know, to your point, Jen, I, it can be so difficult, especially I see dogs in these photos where their ears are back, their eyes are wide, they've gone still, they're afraid to move, or maybe they can't even see out of a costume. Very I don't think that's really fair and definitely doesn't take consent into consideration. 
And one of the things, the big things that I know that we all have in common and is at the center of everything that we teach is how to read your dog's body language. So how to understand the difference between when your dog is actually having a good time and when they're really struggling. And actually, it's really crazy. I don't know about the rest of you, but when I very first started, like this is 20 years ago when I started working with dogs, I had actually been training dogs for mm, probably a couple of years before anybody talked to me about reading body language. So it's not surprising that everybody in the general public, just regular dog owners that don't do this as their job, wouldn't be able to spot the signs. And there are probably on all of our websites, we have something that you can come and find out about dog body language. Um, But it is literally the pinnacle. I always think about it like as a parent, if you couldn't read what your kids were saying to you, if you couldn't tell the difference between a smile and that verge of tears or that costume that's kind of bugging them that they can't wait to get it off. And if you just didn't know it and you couldn't you weren't there to be able to help them out of it, alleviate the problem or to say, you know, just leave it on for a minute and we'll take it off at home. Or, you know what, you don't even have to wear it. Just put your sweatpants on and we'll go out like that, you know, wear your, wear your scarf and that'll be fine. Um, but I think that's something that would be really wonderful for parents to know that there are resources out there to be able to see um, how your dog's feeling, not just at Halloween. I mean, really our goal is for you to be able to see every day, every minute of every day, how they feel about things. But that's huge for me so let's just piggyback on that justine so let's um maybe jen and debbie you can share like two each two of your like um red flag body language cues of a dog that's feeling uncomfortable because just in case people don't know let's empower the people who are seeing this to walk away with just a couple of cues of oh i never thought of that jen why don't we start with you so i would definitely say yawning Yawning is a big one. And I see it all the time. You know, someone's put something on the dog, maybe hat or sunglasses, and the dog is yawning. And, and that's a big one or sudden scratching. Like, I am so busy with this itch here. I can't possibly notice anything else. Um, Scratching is a big one, along with probably licking themselves, but scratching and yawning really really big ones that i see quite a and bit. that yawning jen is not like a morning yawn no, yes, I just can i do can i do my impression of my doggy stress yawn yes do it <laughs> the yawn is going to be in combination with things so you're going to see other things and it's a feeling you get about it that's mm. the thing with the body language you do feel different things like it's different it feels different but with yawn you're going to see tension in the face um it's not a relaxed kind of oh, i just am getting up and shaking off yeah, yeah, it's not the one of those. And, and it seems a bit out of place in a way. Where uh, are you doing now kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, so I yeah. would say, what just happened? What mm-hmm. just happened? When I notice a yawn in a dog, I ask, what just happened? And if you just put, dress them up, there you go. You have your answer. Yeah. Hey, Debbie, what are some ears? What Justine was saying before as well, you notice the ears go back or uh, get a bit lower. Um, the tail might, bo- might be going uh, really quite low. And they have that, you know, the puppy eyes or the whale eyes, where you see the white of the eyes effectively. And also a bit what Jen was saying, every dog I feel has a go-to behavior. Like my Winnie, my golden retriever, she has the scratch, but my pug has the lip licking. Yeah. So if I were to, I, I wouldn't do it, but if I were to put like a funny outfit on Wilco, my pug, he will just, he would freeze. He would just stay like that and then lick his lips like, what on earth are you doing to me? (laughs) 
don't you love me? <laughs> um, he would still eat. He's the kind of dog that would still eat, but some dog would even refuse food because they're just like frozen, hoping for whatever it is that is happening to just pass. So those would be. I think that's a really key piece. If, when in doubt, if you don't know the signals, look at the tension and the stiffness in the dog. Yeah. So, like to me, I'm always looking for loose and wiggly, and anytime you see that change in that loose wiggly become stiff or starchy in any way, then you know that what just happened was uncomfortable. My shepherd can't handle masks at all. Even, even you know, the, the clay masks. If, if my daughter has the clay mask on for a facial, he's like, what, what's that? So just paying attention to those things and being mindful because when a dog is in that fearful way, they're fearful, they could react in an unsurprising or unsuspecting way. Michelle, did you have anything to add to that? I was about gonna say, you know, one of the body language cues that surprised me when I was first learning that really um, was unexpected and that I didn't feel like anybody really taught me about before was lifting one paw. And uh, I just thought that's what like, pointers do or when a dog sees something they lift a paw it, it didn't really occur to me that it could yeah. be a sign of distress in any other way and then once you start you know I worked at a shelter and I worked there for many years and I volunteered and you know you're there just watching everything mm -hmm. you start to see some patterns emerge and it was really quite revelatory to notice that Maybe when we were looking at whether or not a dog was comfortable with other dogs, for example, you know, when you're working at a shelter, you have to figure out, you know, do dogs like other dogs? And so sometimes we'd be putting these dogs in these situations that for them were very uncomfortable. And so you would see some predictable things with different types of feelings. And that one single paw lift really kind of blew my socks off. Yeah. yeah. So. And again, you can't unsee it because to That's me, right. that poor lift, I always feel like it's like, help, help. It just feels like a little, a little. It yeah. really does, right? But that's a really it's good one. It's not, I don't think it's a common, a common knowledge thing. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about, um, like, we like to um, talk about all of the different elements of um, the dog's world that might shape how they behave. So what they're learning about that that um, experience or what they have learned about costumes or um, or just being around lots of people or noises all kind of comes into play with that. The environments, so we have to be careful around that and what we want to set up for the dog to be just successful and the environment that they're in. Obviously, we get to choose that for the dog as their guardians. We can help set up something that is really, um, really great for them and easy calming and eases them through that evening um also the other pieces like their own individual self so each dog has comes with their very own unique um set of experiences of the world and how they see it um i want to talk a little bit about um health pieces in here as well for dogs that aren't feeling particularly well um this might be a really difficult night for them yes oh yeah especially if you think about someone putting a costume on a dog that has any kind of physical sensitivity or yeah. allergies, skin allergies, that yeah. kind of thing, something that might irritate them. I think about that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if they're in any kind of pain, they yeah. might already be in, you know, a little bit moody as it is, because yeah. they're not very well. You put everything else on top of it. It's just, you know, recipe for disaster and also very unfair on them. Related to that is thinking about a dog if they have any visual or hearing issues, right? You know, those kinds of things as well for our senior dogs. This could be yeah. harder. You know that, especially with like fireworks and thunderstorms and things, the older 
things can kind of get a little more sensitive and paying attention to those things as well. So anything that's going to make it more difficult for the dog individually. They just need an extra level of protection, don't they, at this point? Just for somebody to stand up for them and kind of advocate for them or just take them out of the fray so that they don't have to be a part of our crazy holiday. Because to them, it just doesn't make any sense that's right at all we're all just lunatics running around with <laughs> one day a year candy <laughs> i think some people are lunatics every day of the year Jen, let's be honest <laughs> that's how true. often do you really put on that horse um, <laughs> yeah, that's the truth it is quite close isn't it yeah i know but yeah what about right safe? yeah it's right here safety <laughs> things too let's talk about that safety and dogs on the holidays, you know, and thinking about Halloween, I think about dogs and upset tummies, getting mm-hmm. into all sorts of things that we know they really can't. Like I always tell my children, we have to have a safe place for all the loot you received. So mm-hmm. finding that, having it stashed, locked up away from mom as well um, is, <laughs> is important, but we don't want a veterinary bill. We know we don't want them, you know, having um you know wrappers that they eat yeah. or any of the what is it zoltan and the chocolate mm-hmm. all those things yeah so we've got to take well, those okay out. so i want to let's you know we're all moms here so yeah. moms to whoever's watching who's likely mm-hmm. a parent right or another professional helping people who are parents let's be real here for one second our kids are going to hide candy in their room Yep, because they don't want Stop their siblings. The beans. <laughs> <laughs> the beans. I know. And yes, I love what Jen said. Yes, we should have a safe space. And I totally agree with you completely. Yep. However, my son, no matter what set I set up, right, I would always find all kinds of stuff in his room, hidden in drawers. I'd find wrappers weeks later, like seriously. And part of it was... I want to keep it away from my sister or I want to keep it away from my dad who like really likes my thing or my mom. My dad meaning me. Um, yeah. you know, because there was always the thing. If I saw peanut M&Ms, they were making its way into my secret stash because that was yeah. my favorite thing. But yeah. in, in all reality, though, jokes aside, like that is a, a real, a very real yeah. common circumstance that kids are sneaking because they want more of the thing that's good. And the problem is, is that often our dogs will go in and will eat anything. I mean, they'll eat out of your garbage can in the bathroom and eat feminine products or whatever. So dogs are not discriminatory. I know it's gross, but if they're not discriminatory, dark chocolate in particular, super dangerous. Um, If somebody gives out raisins, not super yeah. fun, but very dangerous to dogs, mm-hmm. right? Xylitol, Jen mentioned. Macadamia nuts are another one that are very poisonous to dogs. So there are a variety of things that are like worthy of an ER visit, which we would hate for that to be. So what I'm wondering is, is if maybe collectively from one set of parents to another is saying, listen, <laughs> like, okay, pick 80 pieces or 50 pieces or 20 pieces or whatever, that you can safely store in the kitchen. And I swear to God, nobody's going to take them. They're yours. You don't have to hoard and hide other pieces because these are yours. They're just safely contained somewhere where the dog can't get them. Maybe in one of those giant mason jars or, you know, whatever, where the dog can't get into the glass. I don't know. But that also is hard for some of us who like to steal our kids' candy or, or who are worried about health and more like, I don't know, Halloween, like, do you really need that much sugar? I mean- 
Yeah. So I was a super health nut. When my kids were younger, I was the person who bought the organic vegetables and did them all in the pulverizer and then put them all in ice cube trays. I I thought I was going to win an award clearly for how good I was doing it. But, and I hated Halloween for so many reasons. Like, Send me into like panic attacks. Good. To, I'm a recovering healthy, healthy eater, just so you know. So yeah. what I used to, the deal I actually made with my kids as they started to get older was eat as much as you can tonight because tomorrow it's all gone. Mm-hmm. And so they used to just like, they they would eat quite a lot, but they still couldn't eat loads because we didn't have loads of candy in the house anyway. So I think they got sick pretty quickly a bit. <laughs> anyway, but that was my deal because then I could be sure to it would all be put away. I'd throw mm-hmm. it away or I'd give it to the um, you know dentist. Take it oh, yeah. quite often. Mm-hmm. Can, I'm it food, you know that kind of thing. So, um, but that might be a solution for the yeah. stashing. Just get it all over and done within one night, and then mm-hmm. move on to Thanksgiving. I don't know. I must say, m- my daughter Molly, she counts them. Like there is no way one can go missing. Like <laughs> no, she's like, I mean, she doesn't care about anything else. But haha, no one touches my sweets. <laughs> you know, can she even tell when you've taken a bit of her Easter egg at Easter? Oh, oh same, same. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> no one can come close. She she can sniff you out. She's like one of the dogs. She sniffs you out. Have you been around? No. I know you have. <laughs> she's so, the sweet yeah. police. Yeah. She, she keeps, uh, she's one of those kids. And luckily there are some, and somehow I got I got one. Uh, she keeps them um, locked because she's scared of, of us and <laughs> and the dogs. And, and now we have a cat as well. The cat wouldn't, wouldn't eat it, but it might play with it. Or, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I, Does she know. categorize them too, Debbie? Is she one of those, not only do I know how many I have, but I sort them by color, by type or other things too? No, she sorts them. Um, I like them. I like them a bit less. I don't like them, but <laughs> I'm going to eat them, so don't touch them. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I was hoping she was going to palm those off onto you, but no. No, no. no. <laughs> Still going to eat them, so stay away. Our <laughs> male person. Our, our male person often gets bags. We put them either there or to the firehouse. Nice. It's like in the mailbox, like in a Ziploc yep. bag. Like yep. anyway. Oh, they probably love that. Yep. Why not? So I'm guessing the, the kids in the U.S. get a lot of them then. Like it's outrageous. It depends. Outrageous. Yeah. It can be crazy. Outrageous. Like, Although I have heard some really sweet, like Justine was talking about, I remember our dentist and orthodontist would trade you and they would actually give you money, like hard cash money for like per uh, pound of candy you turned in, you could get like a dollar or whatever. But there are also some organizations that will collect the candy and send it overseas to military personnel, which I think is like the sweetest thing ever. Children that didn't get any. (laughs) No, I think it's for the, like the adult soldiers and stuff, but either way, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very much like as a Jewish person, I'm like, I love you through food. Like I love you eat. Right. And so (laughs) the idea that you could be like, here, have some candy. You're working really hard to like protect our country. Right. It's just like, a very nice sensibility to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I was also like you, Justine, because at the time when my kids were really little, I had a cooking school for children and we focused all on real, like real food, like actual real food that we could identify. And so for some of that stuff, I was totally like you. I was like, oh my God, the amount of chemicals our kids are ingesting. Right. It's so gross. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's a crazy road to go down because you can go really too deep down that road exactly i was deep i needed to be like 
reel her out. She's in the hole. Let your kid have a piece of candy. They won't die. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Right. And Prevents rebellion how, later. How is it? Because you, you have, how many children do you have, Jennifer? I forgot now. Is it four? I have four. Four. So, and how, how is, because obviously, you know, I only have one. So it's a bit different for me. I can't even imagine having four and all the sweets. <laughs> all the sweets. Was it? Did you handle it the way you said before? How how did you handle having four? We handled candy coming back in. They would all sit down and go through their loot. That was always the thing. So we usually had not just our kids, but neighborhood kids. We always seemed to have sleepovers on Halloween. Oh. And we would go through everything and divide it up. And then we would have kind of a day, kind of like Justine, but then we'd also donate some, donate a lot. But it was kept in the kitchen. It was all, yeah. all, all the pillowcases or we would put, the, we use pillowcases all the time um, for our trick or treating and we would keep them in the kitchen. There's and, that many Debbie, there's that we, much. You know, Molly has <laughs> this little like cauldron kind of thing. No. It's about, literally like this big and it's never full. Like, but never. you're also driving around to like 10 houses yeah, in full length <laughs> and then <laughs> has... 30 houses in one yeah, thing, yeah. right? In one block. We're going to Jen's house anyway. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. We have a great time. I'm telling you. <laughs> you probably have to buy it at Costco. Yep. Yeah. Big, big bags. And but what about the ones that you leave out? Because we always, every year without fail, we do prepare a, a, mm. you know, a thing, a jar, whatever. We leave it out. One year it got stolen, <laughs> literally. Uh, but anyway, we leave it out, and uh, when when we are around, or while I prepare it, obviously it's on the counter, so there is no risk for the dogs or anything. But then we do leave it outside, and it is effectively on the floor. So I do in, just in the treat, the the sweets are in this jar thingy on the floor, not the sweet just chucked on the floor. Um, I do worry sometimes. Oh gosh, what if there is a dog with them, with the kids, and you know the head is in there. But then generally, again, apart from the year where the whole thing was stolen, uh, we don't notice any difference. So we suspect that no one no one came by to get any treats, any yeah. any sweets anyway. Um, but what would you what would you use to maybe leave the treats out or you don't? Or you just wait for the kids to come to the house? We use a table. We have a table. So our table is set up with other things on it. So I even have some of our doggy detective coloring sheets. Like I have, Aww. we have a setup that we have stuff out. And so kids can grab what they want. Um, and then if we don't, now that our kids are old enough and we don't trick or treat anymore, um, I don't have to leave the table, but we used to leave it out. And I figure if it's gone, it's gone, you know, Hopefully, we always write take one. Most of our neighbors have to leave the stuff out, um, but people leave them out on tables, which I think oh, is good. Okay. I like that it's off the ground a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Less likely to get other creatures too. It can't be good yeah. for other. I don't know if it's toxic. Oh, yeah. like yeah. Girls love a good Kit Kat, Michelle. They love <laughs> a good Kit Kat. <laughs> You're going to fight me for the I'm telling you. Oh yeah, I'm in Joyce. All right, we probably better wrap this up. It's been so it's much been fun, fun talking though. So fun. Is there oh, anything else that we want to so just quickly sneak in before we say goodbye? Or do you think we've covered everything? Have fun. Have fun. Do it yeah. safely. Yeah, that's true. Enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. it. And leave your dog home. Your dog does not have to trick or treat with you. No. It's just too scary. No. Yep. I, my last thought that I actually just forgot to say earlier on, but is have a plan. Like before, as Halloween's kind of coming up, 
you know, we've got a week, what have we got, 10 days, have a plan, think about what it's going to look like and try and see it through your dog's eyes and how they might experience it. And if you really think your dog would really appreciate being by themselves or away from the action, then make sure that you can give them that. Because if you don't look after them in that way or give them the um, th that ability to be just calm and quiet, then who will do it for them? That's what I always think about. It's like nobody else is going to step up to do that. So if you have that kind of shyer, quieter, sicker, older not so sociable, really rambunctious, whatever kind of dog it is that wouldn't do well in this situation. It's not a fail to say, hey, you know what? We're going to park you for the evening. I am the family dog.com. We all have fam. We're all family-ish. So the family dog.com. Jen. I am familypaws.com. Debbie. Uh, Kidsaroundogs.co.uk. And I'm poochparenting.net. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. If you're a parent and you would love someone you could talk to about your kids and dogs at any time and be part of a great community of other like-minded parents, please visit www.safekidsanddogs.com so you can learn more about the Pooch Parenting Society. If you're a dog professional and would love to build your confidence working with families who have children and dogs, I would love to invite you to join the Pooch Parenting Coach Collective. To get more information or to join the waitlist, please visit www.safekidsanddogs.com coach collective. I would love to have you inside the community so that you can say yes to more clients. Take care.